This is Live Limitless, episode number three. Welcome to the Live Limitless podcast, where we interview normal, everyday people who decided to push their limits and live a much more limitless and remarkable life. I am your host, Matthew G. Bailey, also known as International Man of Curiosity, a writer, lifestyle entrepreneur, and connoisseur of world travel. Please take a moment when the episode's over to visit livelimitless.net. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can sign up for the newsletter, or you can just find out when the next interview is coming out. So without further ado, let's do this. All right, welcome everyone to a, a Live Limitless interview. Joining us here today is Niall Doherty from Disrupting the Ravelment at ndoherty.com. He's actually in Bangkok right now and I'm in Canada, so we're a little bit away from each other. It's nighttime where you are and morning where I am. Yeah, I could pull like 12 hours or 13 hours apart here. <laughs> How are you doing? Doing good, man. I'm, uh, I'm like in Bangkok a lot. Life is pretty good here. I definitely miss the food in Bangkok. That's the the thing I really want to come back for. Mm, what was it? The mango sticky rice? Did you? Who was? No, you recommended some mango thing to me, right? Yeah, it was the that uh, catfish fried catfish mango salad. Sounds weird, that, but it yeah. really is amazing. It's really good. Mm. So I uh, I hear you have a personal vendetta against zombies. What did they ever do to you? Oh, zombies. Um, they killed my paw. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. Uh, yeah, I, I talk about um, pissing off zombies on the blog and in my book. And it's, um, it's a metaphor for people who, uh, you know, live life on the default setting and don't really think about what they want out of life. Um, don't really think for themselves. A good expression I heard to sum it up is that they work jobs they hate to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. <laughs> so it, it's kind of the status quo, the settling for mediocrity, that kind of thing. That That's what I mean by zombies. You don't really want to piss off real zombies because uh, they'll kill you. <laughs> but the metaphorical zombies, um, if you piss them off, I find you're, you're, pro- you're probably on the right track. Like if you're doing so- anything that's worth doing, anything kind of out there and push your comfort zone, you're inevitably, be, inevitably going to piss off um, uh, normal people, you yeah, know, yeah. people who are just kind of doing things the way they've always been done and don't want to think too much, don't want to really push themselves or challenge themselves, don't really want to grow and learn. So that those people are going to be a little upset with you when you start doing those things. Yeah, That's always, a good thing. Uh, yeah it's true. I, I, I always wondered why people get upset with that kind of stuff sometimes. I don't know if it's because maybe you make them feel like uh, they also should be doing it or kind of embarrassing them in a way. I don't know. Yeah, I think it shines a light on um, people's own insecurities, really. Um, like, there's, there's things that I've given up, like, take alcohol as an example. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, objectively, there's nothing wrong with alcohol. But just some people don't have a healthy relationship with it. I didn't think I did, so I gave it up. And I find other people who don't have a healthy relationship with alcohol you know, don't like that I've given it up and they give me a hard time. Whereas other right. people who continue to drink, but do so responsibly and are, are comfortable with their decision, they have no problem with me not drinking. So it, it kind of, it says more about those people than it does you when they're getting upset with you. Totally. I know uh, 
both of us are definitely pro for facing fears. Um, mm. <clears throat> why do you think facing fears is important? Um, it, it, well, it depends on the type of fear, first of all. There's rational and irrational fears. Rational fear would be like uh, um, falling off a cliff and dying. I don't recommend you face that fear by like, you know, jumping off a cliff. Um, stuff like a classic example is uh, public speaking. Like people are irrationally afraid of public speaking. Um, actually, I think it makes sense on a biological level and, you know, the way we evolved and you don't want to be embarrassed in front of your tribe because then you might be ostracized and it might mean death. But nowadays in society we live in, uh, there's no threat, threat to your um, survival if you mess up a speech in front of people, but yet we're all terrified of it. Uh, so what I try and do is use the, those type of fears, those irrational fears as signposts uh, pointing towards my biggest opportunities for growth. So if I'm afraid of public speaking, you know, I'll, I'll try and push myself to do public speaking. Um, you know, I've done Toastmasters, or I have in the past for a, yeah. a couple of years, and I did tried stand-up comedy a couple of times because I was terrified of it. Um, traveling around the world was kind of scary. So I said, let's give that a go. Self-employment, you know, didn't seem like it would be that easy. And I was a bit anxious about it. So let's try that as well. And, you know, it's always been good for me. Like the, my best, my, the experiences I'm most proud of or the accomplishments I'm most proud of have come from facing fears and stepping out of my comfort zone. And I think it's the same is true for a lot of people, uh, but we're all still hesitant to do it. Even if we agree to that, that that benefit usually comes from it. We're still hesitant to do it, so I try and encourage people to to get out there and face those fears as much as they can. Absolutely, I think it's important. It's funny you mentioned stand stand up comedy. It's like the it's one of the only mm. things I have, haven't done yet that I've kind of thought I would like to try out one time. It is terrifying, yeah. right? I mean, because because now you're it's kind of like you're public speaking, but now you have to make them laugh. Yeah, it's. I have so much respect for people that do it and do it well because I think it is one of the toughest jobs in the world to get up in front of a bunch of strangers and make them laugh. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've only done it twice. Well, I, I did it in, in Toastmasters. I did like I won a humorous speech contest, but Toastmasters is a very supportive, forgiving audience. You know, yeah. they're all rooting for you, whereas yeah, a stand up true. audience, a comedy <laughs> club or something, they're kind of like, you know, there's hecklers and stuff. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, the first time I did it, I bombed. Second time, it went pretty, pretty well. Nice. Um, and that was, like, I have no desire to become a stand-up comedian, but it was just something I wanted to, to experience, you know, that put myself up there in front of people and give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and why are you disrupting the rabblement? Why? Um, good question. Why am I disrupting the rabblement? Uh... I, I just, uh, well, I, should, I guess I should explain what rabblement means in case anybody doesn't know. That's my term for what we were talking about earlier, like the status quo, settling for mediocrity, um, the kind of default lifestyle, the not thinking for yourself. Um, it comes from an old, the term comes from an old James Joyce essay. And so I hijacked it and brought it back into fashion, <laughs> or at least I'm trying to. Um, but why am I disrupting that? I just think it's, it's good to, to question things. Um, and that's a big kind of aim of my blog is just to question stuff um, and get people thinking. Like, I don't want everyone to agree with me. Um, I'm kind of disappointed when I write a post and everybody's like, 
you know, in the comments be like, oh, yeah, me too. And I completely agree and all this. Then I'm, you know, if that happens too many times in a row, I'm a bit like, shit, you know, maybe I'm not really saying anything worthwhile here. And I'm not, at the same time, I don't want to sound like, you know, you're saying something just to be controversial, kind of yeah. just looking for attention. But um, if you find everybody's agreeing with you, you're probably not thinking for yourself. You're probably just like pandering to the crowd. Uh, so it's it's good to um, uh, disrupt that, I believe, and, and get people thinking for themselves. And, you know, I've, I've written things that I look back on now a few years later, and uh, I don't agree with myself anymore. Um, and that's I think that's another thing as well, is that if you look back two or three years and see, you know, you, you still believe everything you believed back then, you're yeah. probably not pushing yourself much. You're probably not questioning your own beliefs enough. Yeah, that's true. And I definitely think you should be changing quite a bit over the years. Yeah, because we're you know we're 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 pretty we're all pretty stupid. Like there's so much stuff we don't know. Yeah. And I think a lot of growing up and 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 uh, just getting on in life is uncovering all your bullshit. You know, all the the, the false stuff you believe, and just trying to get closer and closer to to truth. Yeah, absolutely. So what 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 happened like that that moment when you decided to basically like abandon your past life and start this this new journey? Um, I've kind of had two moments like that. One was when I first uh, went to the U.S. I was about twenty one, twenty two years old. I dropped out of college in Ireland. I was working a kind of a it wasn't a bad job, but it wasn't it wasn't anything special. And I just saw other people working in the same job that had been there 20, 25 years. And some of them were happy, you know, living happy lives. Uh, but I just knew I wouldn't be happy if I was in that position 20, 25 years on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I was very shy back then. I didn't like change. I realized that I had to take a big leap and do something drastic or else I'd, I'd end up you know, like those people that I didn't want to end up like. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I took a seasonal work in the U.S. So I moved thousands of miles away from home on my own, uh, just m massively pushed myself out of my comfort zone and uh, managed to overcome a lot of my shyness in that year I spent, that initial year I spent in the U.S. and really just started to um, develop this idea that I could create my own reality. And I could really cool. shape my life and work on myself and become whoever I wanted to be. Um, so that was the first uh, big change that 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 whole year really. Um, so fast forward four or five years after that, and I'm living my teenage dream. Um, I'd gone back to Ireland. I'd finished college, got a good degree, and moved to New Orleans. Um, a city I specifically wanted to move to because that's where my favorite basketball team played. I was obsessed with basketball. And my teenage dream was to go to New Orleans to uh, watch, get season tickets for this team. And, you know, just, just that, that was it, really. Yeah, that's so all fun. I really wanted. Yeah. And I mean, it got even better than that because uh, I started a website about the, te the team. The website became affiliated with ESPN got a media credential, I got to go into the locker room and interview NBA players and NBA coaches, got to sit courtside every game at the press table. Wow, that's crazy. Um, 
yeah so like really just lived that dream to the max um but then at a certain point i was like you know i was putting in like 20 hours a week uh on top of my day job in new orleans i worked for a university there as a web designer um and at a certain point i was like you know 20 hours a week writing about basketball uh is that really what i want to do with my life you know is that the legacy i want to leave behind is you know, what did your grandfather do? Like, oh, he wrote about 10 guys chasing the ball around the floor for like 40 years of his life, you know? <laughs> it's like, what impact am I really having on the world if I'm doing that? I mean, for some people, that would be like the impact they want to have and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but for totally, me, I knew yeah. I'd end up regretting it if that's what I just kept doing for the rest of my life. So I took another leap. I, I said, you know what? I have a good, good life here in New Orleans. Great city, great people. Had a, had a good job, as nine to five jobs go, I don't think it got much better than what I had there. Um, uh, but I, I was just kind of too comfortable. And uh, I decided I'd take another leap. I, I knew I wanted to travel. And I knew I wanted to try self-employment because I just saw really big growth opportunities there. So uh, yeah, I quit my job, um, left the US, canceled. I was applying for a green card, canceled that green card application. And then kind of started doing what I'm what I'm, what I'm doing now. Uh, it was two, two and a half years ago almost that I quit my job and started working for myself online and uh, started traveling pretty full on. And it's been good. I'm kind of living the new dream now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, and you're, you're currently traveling around the world with, without flying. Um, yes. Why did you choose to go over land? Um, because I was an idiot. Mostly, <laughs> um, I'd never heard of these flying machines. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, technology, it's great. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't have airplanes in Ireland. No, that's not the reason either. Uh, the real reason, three reasons really, and I still stand by these. I mean, it's still a meaningful thing for me, so I'm going to keep doing it as long as it makes sense for me. Um, some people think it's ridiculous, but as long, I always tell people, as long as what you're doing is meaningful to you doesn't and you don't have to explain it to anybody else yeah that's true um but the reasons for me to, for doing this uh three of them one is that um by uh not flying I, it's more more of an adventure so i'm trying to do one complete lap of the world one you know circumnavigate the world and come back to ireland from the west um <clears throat> And it's taking about, it's going to take about four years altogether. I'm a year and a half in. Uh, but more adventurous because I end up in random places I wouldn't otherwise go. Like two of two such places were Romania and Iran. And I wouldn't have gone to those places. I wouldn't have chosen to, gone, to go to those places um, yeah. if I was just picking places I wanted to go around the world specifically. Uh, <laughs> but I have to go there to get to where I wanted to go. I have to go through those places. And I end up just having amazing experiences in um, another, the second reason I'm doing no flying is the challenge of it. Uh, I do like to stretch myself. Um, it's a bit, sometimes the challenge is a bit much. It's actually, it's, it's a lot more difficult than you might think to, uh, travel around the world without flying. Um, getting out of India was really tough. It took me about two months to find transport out of India. Um, even like India and Sri Lanka are like less than 20 miles apart, uh, separated by, you know, calm seas but you can't get there, but you can't go between the countries without flying, which to me is madness. I mean, you could build a bridge, you know, it wouldn't be that big a deal, but yeah. no, you have to fly. And what if you went uh, over so, 
was that possible to go like the top of India and down through Myanmar? That kind of thing? No. No. No, um, you can't you can't cross over land okay. through Myanmar. Right. Uh, well, not legally. You might be able to bribe an official and get through <laughs> there, but yeah, that could be you risky. Know, all the, yeah, and as well as that, if you go all the way up there relying on that and it doesn't work, then you're kind of like stuck up in the northeast of India. Um, <clears throat> yes, yeah, it's, it's just tough. Like I explored every avenue there, uh, but uh, you know, but in doing so, I really stretched myself and I kind of saw how kind of what so I saw kind of what it was made of you know and what it was capable of because when you really kind of paint yourself into a corner you get very creative and you really see how persistent you can be yeah. um third reason then is just the story of it you know um when people kind of hear you're traveling around the world without flying you get their attention yeah and <laughs> I, li- I like attention I'm not afraid to admit it <laughs> me too so that's it yeah. mm. That's a, it's, a, it's an awesome story for sure. Um, I think you recently, was it you that wrote about the guy that just finished driving to every country on the world? Or I don't know, um, I seen it somewhere. Mm, there was a guy, he, he just okay. finished driving his, his SUV to every country. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, I hadn't heard of this guy. Um, a guy I talk about a lot is uh, Graham Hughes, Englishman who just recently became the first person to visit every country in the world without flying. So that's okay, maybe that as was. Difficult, yeah, difficult as I believe what I'm doing is his journey had to be like at least 10 times harder. Yeah, I can't um, imagine how long that took, right? It took him four years. Huh. Um, but he like, he was flying through it. He was trying to do it all in a year and he visited like 80 something country, countries and he, no, over a hundred countries, I think in his first year. Something crazy like that, but then he kind of had to slow down because getting to the Pacific Island nations and that um, were a lot tougher. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's 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 some great stories. I actually ran into him in India just before he finished his his trip. We had three countries to go. Wow. Yeah, I can't imagine doing it in a year. I don't even know if it's really possible. I think it would be possible <laughs> if you had like a team. Yeah. Maybe. Um, like if you had a, a team based in London organizing all your visas for you and everything but graham like did it on a shoestring budget right, yeah. pretty much on his own and, and uh um you've be- you've become an entrepreneur through your blog uh creating websites and other online yep. endeavors so what made you want to become an entrepreneur well um mainly the the the, the challenge of it um well that and, and i could i could see the the, the freedom of it, the the opportunities it would provide me, I never really had any inclina- inclination to be an entrepreneur until I read the Four Hour Work Week. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in that book. I think if you read it now, are a bit unrealistic, but certainly um, the kind of mindset mindset uh, he advocates and the the opportunities he talks about are very real and attainable um so that's what really interested me in it and it, it, it's been a really interesting journey and i feel like here in bangkok the last three months i've probably progressed faster than i have at any other time because i'm living with three uh guys online entrepreneurs themselves who are like you know way ahead of me really in terms of um earnings and it's just amazing. Like the, the 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 biggest difference by far is just mindset. Like the mindset that these guys have. They believe they can do it. 
you know, they have a healthier sense of entitlement than I do. They have less limiting beliefs. Um, and just hanging around with people like that, whether it's business or anything you're trying to get better at, really, really helps. Like you don't even, you don't even notice that it's affecting you, but it, you look back after a few months and you're like, I'm doing things now and I'm thinking things now that I never would have done and thought about back then. Yeah, so it's funny. I talked with another guy the other day and he was saying, you know, if you want to, to run a marathon, you're better off hanging out with people who run marathons, at least for a yeah. while until you do it, just to to get into that mindset and all of a sudden it doesn't sound so difficult anymore. Absolutely. Um, it's also amazing that just because the four-hour work week is just amazing how many lives it's changed or mindsets it's changed. Yeah. Uh, I spoke to a guy the other day from El Salvador who has a business online. Oh. I thought that was pretty amazing, and that's that's what that's what he read as well as the four hour work week. So, yeah, a lot of people it has a lot of critics, but I mean, I think it's brilliant just for the simple fact that it gets people thinking differently. Like yeah. it gets people thinking, wow, maybe you know I should look beyond nine to five and consider starting something myself. So for that alone, it's just a, a masterpiece, really. Yeah, well, it's even the reason why I initially finally left uh, Australia alone four years ago because I was waiting all the time for like oh well I'll wait for some friends to come and you know six years go by and that still hasn't happened and then I read that yeah. book and I was like man I need to get out of here so yeah yeah do you think Good for that do you consider travel to be a lifelong obsession you think or um yeah uh it's weird. I, I like. I, I kind of don't like travel in a in a weird way. I like being in different places. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I like. I mean, I've, I'm traveling pretty slowly. I've been in Bangkok now three months. Um, last year, I spent five months in Nepal, mostly in Kathmandu. I like having an apartment. Uh, I like having a place I can kind of call home. I like making local friends and seeing them, you know, over and over again. Um, I like not having to wonder where the supermarket is every week. You know, I like having my neighborhood where I kind of get to know it a little bit. Um, but I, I mean, I do like new places. I love the kind of the reinvention aspect of travel. Like you go to a new place and you can kind of like be anybody. You're not kind of stuck in, you know, like if you if you stay in your hometown, for example, you kind of feel like you have to behave a certain way because that's what people expect of you. Yeah. But if you go to a new, if you go to a new place, you can kind of be anybody. You know, you kind of get this. For me, anyway, I get this little buzz about nobody knows me here. You know, I can do whatever I want, and that that that's good. Like to try out new things and kind of new ways of of, of just being. Um, but lifelong obsession, I'd, I'd imagine. So yeah, I could always see myself. I, I well, I can't see myself just staying in one place like long term I might have a home base that I come back to regularly but I wouldn't you know I'll always take several trips throughout a year I think yeah absolutely mm. um what would you say some of the most uh, important lessons you've learned since beginning your quest uh, biggest lessons well um oof, that's a big question <laughs> uh I, I, I've learned I've learned a lot about business here. Um, actually, that's in a word. That's probably the biggest thing: uh, business and like self-employment uh, and all that stuff. Because when I left on this trip a year and a half ago, I only had 
two or three thousand dollars in the bank and I was thinking maybe I should stay home where I can have a safety net and build up the savings before I you know head off into the unknown but uh yeah um I mean now I'm you know I've built up back up my savings I'm earning more money than I or about the same money really that I earn used to earn nine to five working nine to five um so I've learned a lot in that respect. Uh, I've just learned a lot about self-trust, trusting myself more. Um, yeah, I guess those would be the big things. Self-trust, self-confidence. I feel more self-assured now and feel uh, uh, that I'm just more capable of, of taking things on and succeeding And if I just persist and experiment. Awesome, yeah. And you, uh, you recently just hired your first assistant, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been going good. Yeah, how's that been as well for like a learning experience? Um, it's been good. It, it, uh, I mean, everything's kind of gone to plan. So I think I, I you know, I kind of got lucky in a way with the person I selected because she's just been brilliant. So I haven't had to learn any hard lessons, okay. which has been good. <laughs> um, you know, they say I get get good people, and it just makes life so much easier. And it's it's definitely true. So um, she's been making life a lot easier on me. Uh, I'll probably hire another assistant soon for a, diff- for a different business that I'm going to start. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's great. It's one of those things. Everybody says it, and I heard it all the time before. But, you know, it's, I wish I'd done it sooner. Like, I wish I'd hired, started hiring people sooner. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of true for me now. I'm like, why, why was I doing everything myself for so long? You know? <laughs> I guess it's just kind of that fear, like, again, whether you can support someone else and if you want to hand over your realm to someone else. A lot of it, yeah, it's just, for me, it's the letting go. It's, uh, you know, if I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to overcome these perfectionist tendencies that I've had for many years. Uh, and But the rule with outsourcing and, uh, and having other people work for you is, like, if you can get someone to do it at 80% as well as you can, outsource it and then focus on the higher level stuff because that will help your bottom line and your customers a lot more than you, you know, nitpicking. Yeah, totally. It's funny, uh, before when we were talking about facing fears and you're talking about like the irrational and the rational and it's like when I try to explain live limitless to people as well, it's kind of similar, right? I mean, we definitely have some limits we should keep, probably shouldn't go, go wrestle a lion that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's all about crushing self-imposed, like the limiting beliefs that stop, basically stop us from doing things that we want to do. And it's always like, Mm -hmm. whether we're going deeper into our passions or volunteering in a developing country or creating an amazing relationship or, uh, doing what you're doing, like you've recently written about this in, in in many forms on your, on your blog. Mm -hmm. So what are your, limiting beliefs? Yeah, like what are your thoughts on on limiting beliefs? Um, they're they're tough, man. Like the one thing I wrote recently is just recognizing them. That's often the hardest part. You kind of don't know what you don't know. You don't really, you can't really see where you're holding yourself back. And you know, at the same time, it's so easy to see it in other people. <laughs> like you can <laughs> you can easily point it out in other people, like all their flaws and where they're selling themselves short and where they're going wrong, but. Like some of you know, people have asked me in recent months, like, what are some of your limiting beliefs? And sometimes I've been stuck. I mean, 
there's so many you recognize them they're so obvious and you're like of course how did i not see that for so long um but until you see them they're they're not obvious and oftentimes it's the way you find them is uh uh reading books is good because uh, like especially kind of psychology um uh non-fiction kind of stuff yeah. um I don't know. Yeah, the kind of personal development stuff. You, you see, you, you you can identify a lot of uh, ways of thinking that you would benefit from, and you can use that to identify like where your where your limiting beliefs are. Uh, but another thing, which is even more powerful, I think, is again surrounding yourself with people who are a, a little bit ahead of you in whatever area you're looking to improve or whatever area you're stuck. But um, like one one limiting belief I've recognized in recent months is. Um, is the kind of an entitlement thing. So if I, I, I feel like if I don't, I believe if I don't work very hard for something, I don't deserve it. And I kind of end up, that manifests itself in like me kind of making things harder than they have to be, kind of sabotaging myself because, you know, something something falls from the sky into my lap and I'm like, oh no, it can't be that easy. You know, and I kind of turn it away. Whereas like a lot of the guys I'm living with here I see them like things falling into their lap and they're like, Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> they have no problem with it. And I'm like, Oh, you can, you can do that. And it's not like a, you know, it's not like a dick, a dick thing to do. <laughs> um, so it's like, they just have a healthier sense of entitlement. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that people should be lazier and try and avoid responsibility, but you know, just, you shouldn't make things harder on yourself than they have to be. And even though I know that now, logically, it's still, uh, something I'm trying to overcome. You don't just recognize it, and then you're gonna you say, "Oh, I'm gonna just stop doing that now." Like it's not that easy because it's this like ingrained habitual belief, and to to get yourself out of that takes a bit of time. And what are uh, three books you would recommend? Off that? Three books. Oh man, this is probably if you ask me tomorrow, I'd probably have a different answer. Uh, let's see. <laughs> That's true. Um, the Four Hour Work Week that we mentioned earlier. Uh, again, mostly because of the mindset, yeah. uh, just gets you thinking different and gets you thinking about the possibilities and the opportunities. That's a big one. Uh, um, what are we What are we looking for here? Like mostly business stuff. Yeah, either business or like uh, personal developments. Anything for finding those limiting beliefs. Um, I'm going to say Steve Pavlina then for kind of personal development stuff. Uh, He's probably had a bigger influence on me than than almost anybody. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't read his stuff much anymore, but I, when I do, I'm still like, "Wow, this guy's really high level. He knows what he's talking about. Very just clear and concise." Um, but his book is called "Personal Development for Smart People," and I think that's a really good, thorough look at personal development. Kind of a foundational um, look at it. Uh, so that's good. Um, uh, another book I'll recommend um, is called So Good They, pa- they Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. Okay. I just recently recommend- seen that one. Yeah, it's, it's great, man. And I recommend it because it actually does, in a lot of ways, contradict the four-hour work week. Um, and that doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. It's just good to have like different viewpoints and realize that it's not just black and white, you know, there are shades of gray and this might work for some people and this might work for other people. Um, and again, neither is right or wrong. It's just yeah. trying to figure out which works best for you. So that's, that's a good book. That's kind of like, 
that's it goes against the whole follow your passion advice and it it's smart i mean he's not just saying it to be different he's actually you know done his research and done a lot of case studies yeah. um so for a lot of people i think that's the better option is to follow what he recommends cool. do you have any uh <clears throat> plans for world domination coming up that you can tell us about Ooh, um I have a few things in the works. I'm doing a big project this year uh, based around functional fitness, the concept of functional fitness, which is the type of fitness that will save your life or help save someone else's life. So instead of just like getting big biceps or a six pack, it's like, you know, um, becoming a really good swimmer, uh, learning how to um, jump off a roof and land safely. Yeah. Uh, learning how to. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I found out about some parkour classes in Bangkok, actually, from a friend today. So I'm going to start doing that soon. Um, but another example would be <laughs> uh, be able to beat up someone you can't outrun and outrun someone you can't beat up. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, like I did, I had an intro to Mai Thai, you know, Thai kickboxing um, uh, the last weekend, did rock climbing this weekend. Um, and it's not just to dabble in all these things, but to actually become decent at a lot of these things um so that's a big priority this year um business wise yeah i'm going to be starting a couple of different businesses in the coming months i hope um i kind of believe like i kind of stumbled into a pretty good um system recently good business system and it's working well and it's it generates mostly passive income which is great um, I mean, I recommend every, I want to be clear. I recommend everybody start off freelancing first and make sure you can make a living doing that before you even consider passive income. Because I wasted a year doing it the other way around. Um, it's just smarter to figure out active before you try and get into passive. Because a lot of the things you learn from active, you know, you, you need to learn those things before you get to passive. Yeah. But so I, ha- I have one system now that's working. Uh, but I think, you know, it's a case of once you're lucky, twice you're good. So I want to, see if I'm actually good and try and set up a couple of more systems. And what I'm doing now doesn't provide a lot of value. Actually, it's, it's lucrative. It's pretty lucrative, but uh, I don't feel like I'm providing a lot of value. And you can only do that for so long before you start feeling a little empty. So these new businesses hopefully will uh, fill that void. Awesome. Yeah, it'll be exciting mm. to see. What, um, yeah. Just last question. Now, what, what advice would you have for someone who's absolutely aching to do something important to them but they're you know they're scared or they're held back from their limiting beliefs oh um see i would say uh first of all don't beat yourself up about it i mean it is it is hard it is tough um i was talking to a friend today about it uh, a girl here in thailand and it's actually rare in thailand for people to want to do this because here it's kind of seen as you know uh, if you have an eight to five and you provide enough money or make enough money to provide for your family, that's life is good. Like, you know, what else yeah, could you want? True. Um, like the question here, do you like your work or do you like your job? That's kind of like, they kind of look at you funny and they're like, what do you mean? They pay me money. Of course I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually met a girl here today who's like not satisfied and has more of that Western mindset where she kind of wants to like be free and work online and travel and everything. And, um, uh, I, I was telling her to. Um, I was telling her that it is tough, but it's worth it. 
you know, I mean, it is, it is going to be hard. I, I feel like it took me two years to get to a point where I was like, ah, this is what I was, you know, the, now it's worth it, you know, yeah. when I kind of got over, got over the hump. Um, but let's see, uh, definitely start with active income. Definitely do that. Start freelancing. It's the, the best way to get started. Um, if you're a native English speaker, easiest thing to start off with is uh, writing, SEO writing, uh, copywriting. Um, even if you're not a native English speaker, but you're just really good, you can make a good living doing that. I know um, Sean Ogle has a course called Location Rebel. That's an online course, locationrebel.com. As an example out of that, uh, this is kind of extreme, but it just kind of shows you what's possible. Yeah. Um, one guy in that course started doing SEO writing. Uh, SEO, if anyone doesn't know, is search engine optimization. So it's writing articles that will rank high in search engines. So he started doing this in January, made $4,000 his first month. Um, and this was as a side gig. This was on top of his day job. And then the next month in February, decided, okay, uh, I pretty much killed myself last month because I was working a full-time job and putting in like several hours at this every day. Let's start outsourcing. Um, outsourced, made about $5,000, and I took home about $3,500 and did like outsource 80% of the work. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that's doable for everybody at that level, but I think if you, if you freelance and you just hustle, um, with writing, or if you do have a skill, if you want to do web design, uh, there's 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 a few other things as well that you could do. But if you if you hustle, you can you can definitely make a thousand dollars a month. Um, but you got to be patient, and uh, you got to work hard, and it, it, you got to do a lot of networking as well and a lot of pitching. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I recommend people do that. Experiment, persevere. Those, those are the main things, really. Um, and like, I, you know, there's so many people I know now that are, that are doing it, you know, that I know personally. Before, it was like I'd read about these people online and you're like, are they really doing it? I don't know. But, you know, so many, pretty much all my good friends now, people that I keep in touch with regularly are all people doing this kind of stuff. And, you know, most of them didn't have the advantage I had when I started out and that I was a trained web designer. Like, I knew I was a good web designer. And that people would pay me good money to do web design. Mm. But a lot of the people I know that are making this work didn't have that skill. And kind of just had to start from scratch. And they still made it work. So, so it's doable. Is possible. Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Niall, for coming out. No worries. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. And wish you the best on uh, your next travel. All right. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for the interview, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more from Niall, you can go to his website at ndoherty.com. If you'd like to see the link for that, just stop by livelimitless.net and uh, I'll have it up there. In the fourth interview coming up next week is Wondering Earl, who's been traveling around the world for more than 13 years. Stay tuned and hope to see you there.